Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies, and I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Happy New Year, everyone. It feels like such a tremendous achievement to have made it to 2021 after such a crazy wild year that we have all had politically, physically, emotionally, cosmically. It's been a roller coaster for all of us. And I just wanted to start off this podcast with a moment of recognition and appreciation that we all did it. We all made it through the year. And that is an achievement in and of itself. So you should feel really, really, really good about yourself. So here I am recording the podcast. It has been a minute, three weeks to be precise. And first I skipped a week because I was finishing my applications for NYU's MFA program. And I was really in the zone. I was writing a lot for it. So I had to do a writing sample, a statement of work, just basically to tell what my career has been and where my career is going. And then lastly, I had to write a personal history, how my life and who I am will bring diversity to the program at NYU. These were all things that I wanted to spend a lot of time thinking about and I wanted to immerse myself in. So the first week that I skipped the podcast, it was because I was living in that world. And then the next week I started to celebrate the holidays and that felt like a mad rush to get all my work finished. And then this last week, I've been really resistant to recording the podcast because I've just been processing so much. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast, you guys know that this was a year of lots of losses for me, but also a year of great emotional resilience and recovery. It feels like I haven't really let myself feel how painful this year has been up until this past week because it just hasn't felt safe to do that. Finally, I found myself in a really great position ending 2021 in a really good spot with Reset, with my business, with my clients, with my writing, with my partner. Everything feels pretty good and pretty secure, but it wasn't always that way this year. And I think I haven't really let myself feel all those ups and downs until now where I finally have some breathing room, some space. I feel secure. I feel safe personally. And I just let myself cry. I cried and cried and cried out of relief. I wasn't always sure that this year would end up in my favor. And I wasn't always sure that my business would make it this year. I just kept my head down and kept going. And so now that I have some stability, I've really felt like I can let myself feel all that stress and all that anxiety. And I think the same also holds true for Biden's election. It's definitely not a silver bullet, but because he has been elected, I can finally let myself feel how scared I was about another four years of Trump in the office. It's interesting because I was reading this great book called Burnout, and it talks about how stressors and stress are two different things. Stressors are the forces that 
contribute to making you feel stress. And those things are finite, right? So they generally happen in a pretty confined period of time. For instance, it could be a very agitating, fear-inducing conversation of your boss that only lasts an hour, but that feeling of stress that continues onward may last for a month. A breakup can really only take a day, right? (laughs) The actual act of breaking up with someone, but the feelings that accompany that and the stress that comes with it can last for months. I always used to joke around that it takes you half the amount of time that you are in the relationship to recover from it. So if you're dating someone for a year, it takes six months. If you were in a five-year relationship, it takes two and a half years to really get over it. I mean, that's not accurate and it's not right, but It's a good illustrator that the things that happen to us that are really painful and really hard, sometimes they only last a week, sometimes they only last a second, but then the effects of those things can linger on and on and on. So knowing that stressors and stress are connected, but also not time-bound is a really important thing because we've all been living with tremendous stress throughout the year. And even if we're not personally feeling those stressors in this current moment, that stress is likely still in our bodies and we're likely still experiencing that stress. So the past week was really about my conscious effort to try to clear a lot of it out of my life. And for me, that means exercising, taking time for silence, being in nature, writing, watching Hulu and Netflix and movies and just zoning out. That's what I needed to do for a little while. And I think the stress from 2020 is still there, but it certainly helps that I was able to cry a lot over the past couple weeks and get some catharsis. So I hope you guys are all doing the same thing. And if you are still feeling anxiety and stress, even though the stressful moment has already passed, then please, please, please know that that is completely normal, that you should not feel hard on yourself. It's completely natural. What it means is that you just need to take time for yourself and the stress cycle hasn't been completed yet. You haven't fully released that stress that has been accruing in your body. I highly recommend reading Burnout. I think it's a funny, informative read. It was really entertaining, but there's also a lot of data and scientific study in it. Highly, highly recommend it. That was a long explanation for what my emotional state is and where I am. But I just wanted to explain to you guys why I hadn't recorded the podcast. And also, I just don't really want to use this podcast ever as a place to dump my unprocessed feelings. I really try to only share things that I've already worked through or am working through so that when I share my own experiences, there are bits of wisdom or bits of shared experiences that you can pull from rather than me just unloading on you guys. That's not what this podcast is about. Today, what we're actually talking about is New Year's resolutions, and I'm sure that we all have them. It's such a big part of our capitalist culture for companies to begin hawking all sorts of things to us, things that will help us lose weight, things that will help us commit to a fitness routine. I was reading that in January, in February, every new year, then spending on gyms goes up 42%. So consumer spending on gyms goes up by almost half. But the crazy thing is that 63% of gym memberships go completely unused. And even worse than that, 82% of gym members go to the gym less than once a week. So you see this big spike in excitement and then a big drop off. 
I have certainly been guilty of the same where I'll start a new healthy way of eating and a new healthy lifestyle only to have it completely fall off by my birthday, which is February 16th. So I was thinking today, what allows habits to be successful and what factors result in habits completely unraveling? And what can we do to make sure that our New Year's resolutions are set up for success? I'll share a few things here, both from my own personal experience and from research that I've done. And the first thing is really that we set ourselves up to fail by making the goal a long-term goal and focusing on the end result versus focusing on the daily practice. So for instance, you might say, I want to work out every day for the next 30 days. The entire time that you're working out, you are focused on the end of that month of getting there, the finish line, the sense of achievement that you'll feel once you've done that and you've mastered this really difficult challenge. But the problem is it doesn't feel like real life. So the first thing I'll say is that when you're creating your habit, how can you think of ways to presence yourself, to bring yourself back to the current day? So instead of saying, I want to work out every day for the next month. You say, every day I want to do one thing that makes my body feel really, really good physically. Every day, how can I move my human body in a way that really supports me, enlivens me, makes me feel fresh and anew? You are setting yourself up to win every day, not just that final day when you get to your 30-day challenge fulfillment. I think that's really, really important because we have to live in the now. A healthy lifestyle isn't about running the marathon. It isn't about the juice cleanse. It isn't about fitting into the pants that you've been wanting to fit into. It's about the feeling that you get by bringing yourself even an inch or a centimeter closer to the life that you want to live. It's not about the achievement. It's about the effort. It's about the action. It's about just taking steps. So the first thing I'll say is if you want your habits and your new year's resolutions to be successful, then bring them into the now. See if there's a way for you to win every single day with your resolutions. And that is a great segue into the second tip for creating resolutions that work. And that is that you need to reward yourself. You need to celebrate your successes. And if you are doing step one, which is giving yourself a way to win every day, then that should be easy because every day you have the opportunity to celebrate yourself. And this is something that I really picked up. This is going to sound so funny and strange, but I picked this up from training my dog. My dog Rover is really well-behaved and I got really into training him when he was a puppy. I took him to puppy kindergarten at this place called School for the Dogs in the East Village. I took him to puppy prep school I hired a trainer to work one-on-one with us. I got really into watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts about dog training. And the number one thing that all these trainers said is that you need to change his behavior by celebrating when he does the right thing. So if he pees and poops right away, you know, within minutes of going outside, then I click the clicker, which tells him he's doing a good thing. And then I give him a treat. And that's how I reinforce any good behavior that he has. So if Grover doesn't cry when I leave the room, I click and I give him a treat. When Grover comes to me, when I call him, I click and I give him a treat. 
You have to do it regularly and you have to do it often. You have to do it until it becomes a habit for your dog. So we're talking at least three or four weeks and then interspersed in between. And so I think of that for myself too, which is how can I reward myself? How can I create that positive mental connection between exercising and not eating sugar and patting myself on the back? Because that's actually how we change habits, both in dogs and in humans. It's not through self-flagellation. It's not through chastising yourself. It's not through criticizing yourself. It comes from rewarding yourself every time you've done the right thing. So what feels like a reward or recognition for you? For me, it's as simple as whenever I have a meal that doesn't have sugar in it. So that's one of my New Year's resolutions is to go back to a largely sugar-free lifestyle. Sugar is such a killer. It's so bad for the body in so many ways. And leading up to the holidays, I really just went on a tear. I was eating cookies, candy, chocolates, all sorts of things that I normally don't eat. I really wanted to go back to my former life where I really don't consume very much sugar at all. And I'm kind of up and down, you know, sometimes I'll go a few days and then on other days I'll just really go ham once I've already proverbially cracked the lid off of my habits. And so what I've been doing is whenever I have a meal that is really healthy and supportive to me, I acknowledge myself for it. Obviously eating happens for me four or five times a day. So those are four or five opportunities for me to say just inside my mind, Hey, good job. You made a great choice. That is a really, really different feeling than the opposite, which is in the past when I've, you know, really binged and eaten tons of pasta and had soda or whatever. And I just feel my stomach feels awful afterwards. And I just feel unwell. They say, ugh, I feel horrible. I'm never, ever doing that again. But actually, positive reinforcement is so much more effective than negative reinforcement. Negative reinforcement doesn't actually really ever work for long-term change. It might work in the short term where you don't do that again for another week or so or another couple of days, but really where the long-term change happens. So when those neurons and neural pathways in your brain actually shift is when you're putting that positive reinforcement into your life. For me, that's a great opportunity to have three to five moments a day when I'm actually proud of myself and rewarding myself. The second thing I'm really trying to do is to make sure that I get into a habit of doing my fun work. So all my work is fun. I don't want to say that some of my work isn't fun, but there's work that feels really like a stretch for me. Let's call them my stretch goals. And those are around writing and around sharing my voice with others. Whereas the coaching work I do, I love it, but it's an area of comfort for me. It's an area of familiarity. I've been doing this type of work for many, many years, and it feels very much like I can easily jump into the flow state, and I know that I'm good at it. I feel a sense of confidence. My writing, I don't feel as confident. As a result, I can put a lot of pressure on myself to sit down and get started every day. I've really taken to a moment of silence whenever I do sit in front of the computer and just appreciate and thank myself for doing that for even getting started. It doesn't matter what I produce. The outcome doesn't matter. It's just the act of taking a step forward that deserves to be celebrated. And sometimes I'll do this by making myself a really delicious matcha or making myself some tea, 
taking the time to make myself a nice fruit salad, something that feels really nurturing for me, whatever it is for you, whether it's burning your favorite candle. I really love these candles and they're really expensive (laughs) and they smell so nice. So it feels like a beautiful treat to light them right when I'm sitting down to do work and making sure that my little zone, my writing area, my office is perfect. So think about how you can reward yourself. This is so important. So just to recap the first two tips, one is to let yourself win every day to create opportunities for you to win when it comes to your resolution every single day. And the second step is to celebrate those wins and to make sure that you're doing it consistently, knowing that those acts of recognition and those acts of appreciation for yourself are what actually change your habits and change your neural pathways in your brain. The third tip in creating a new year's resolution that actually works for you Your resolution should feel intrinsically motivated. What I mean by that is that there are two types of motivation. We are most familiar with extrinsic motivation, and that means motivation that's coming from a source outside of yourself. In the workplace context, that might mean feeling motivated to get a raise, feeling motivated to take on a new role, to have your job title change to be seen more, to get a bonus. That's extrinsic motivation. It's something that comes from the outside. It's something that comes from someone else giving you an external pat on the back or credit for a job well done. And that is the opposite of intrinsic motivation, which comes from the inside. Intrinsic motivation are ways that you feel lit up and inspired that come from within. So it might be from the process of learning, It might be from the feeling of helping others. It might come from feeling connected to the mission of your company and wanting to be a part of that. And what we want to do with our New Year's resolutions is to find goals that feel intrinsically created. And I'll give an example of that. At first I sat down and I thought, one of my goals is to have this book that I'm working on with my friend Tessa sold to a publisher for over $150,000. And I want to do it sometime this year, hopefully in the first half of this year. What I realized is that, of course, I want that, but why? For what? Is it to prove that I could do it? Is it so other people can know that I'm impressive? Is it so I have something to tell people that I did so everyone knows that I'm making progress? And I realized that I don't need nor want those things. Those are all ego-based ways of seeing my goal. And I pushed myself to connect back to why I really wanted to write this book with Tessa. And that is to express myself and to help people. So my new amended resolution so that my goal was coming from an intrinsically motivated place was that I want to do everything that I can every single day to refine and nurture my voice as a writer and a creator. I want to make my voice as strong and as vibrant and as true and authentic as possible so that the work I do might affect others. And so that goal goes from, oh, I want to sell this book for over $150,000 to I want to refine, strengthen, nurture my voice to take care of myself in any way possible so that I might be most in service of other people. That's a mouthful, but basically I think of 2021 
as the year of my voice. It's the year of being unapologetically me and creating what I want to create and being strong in my own convictions and viewpoints. So you can do this with any habit. For instance, if your goal is to lose 10 pounds, then how can you shift that into something that feels more about what you want from within versus what other people think of you or external markers that you're doing a good job? So maybe instead of saying, I want to lose 10 pounds, you say, I want to love and appreciate my body every day. I want to accept myself. I want to love myself for who I am. I want to feel strong and sexy. I want to feel in awe of who I am and of this amazing body that has been given to me and how much it does. How can you really reframe the idea of losing weight into a way that you feel? Something that you're doing for yourself, not for other people or not for what other people might pat you on the back for. So this is really hard because our whole society is geared towards extrinsic motivation versus intrinsic. But I really think that this is the key to having goals stick because if I don't actually sell my book in Q1 or Q2 of this year for over $150,000, it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It really doesn't at all. I really don't want to set myself up for that. It will have been a success and it will be a success if I show up every day and I really, really give my heart and my soul to this project and I believe in myself. I mean, how cool is that? Putting yourself out there and doing work that you're really proud of and that pushes you out of your comfort zone, that's way better than money. You know, I'll take both, but (laughs) I really think that the latter is harder than the former. And then finally, creating strong habits also involves having knowledge. There's a framework that we recently shared on Instagram that says that habits are made up of three parts. One is knowledge, so it's knowing what to do and how to do it. The second piece is desire, so wanting to do it. And the last part is skill, so actually the ability to do it. And I think we all get skill and we all get desire. After all, we wouldn't be setting up these resolutions unless we had the desire to do it. And also skill, we wouldn't be able to do those resolutions unless we had the requisite ability to be able to do them. But the most important thing is knowledge, which is the how and the why of it. Why are we doing this? And as an example, I felt like it was so much easier to shift my eating habits away from sugar once I further understood the mechanism of how sugar works in our systems. What I learned is that when I have a sugar craving, it's not actually me who wants to eat the sugar, but rather it's the bacteria that lives in my gut that feeds off of that sugar. And that bacteria is telling my brain, give me more food, give me more sugar. That voice of that bacteria in the gut is so strong that it makes you think that you yourself, you as a person are craving the sugar, but you're really not. It's just your gut. And so now I know that whenever I have a sugar craving, I just say to myself, oh, that's not me. That's just the unhealthy bacteria in my gut. And I literally just need to give it two weeks for it to all die off. And those cravings will completely stop. So knowing something like that has given me so much power. So I encourage you guys to make your habit and make your new year's resolution also your hobby. So learn as much about it as possible so much about my 2021 is about really nurturing and supporting my creative voice that I'm going to be doing as much research as I can into the practices that really support me. I'm going to be trying lots of different things. I'm going to be reading lots of books. I'm going to be talking about creativity with people in my life. 
And I'm going to make it a habit because the better informed I am and the more tools I have at my disposal, then the more I'll stick to this habit. So my question is, what can you be reading? What can you be Googling? What can you be learning? What can you be trying out to expand your knowledge base to really, really help that habit stick? Just to recap, I had four ways for creating New Year's resolutions that really work. The first is to release your focus on the outcome, the end goal, the finish line, and rather to focus on the day-to-day. Give yourself a chance to win every day. Don't make it about the end of a 30 or 60-day challenge and how good you'll feel at the end of it. Let yourself have the ability to feel that good and that proud of yourself every single day. Make it about the present. Make it about the now. Make your resolution about living, about feeling. The second tip is related to that, and that's about celebrating every single time you take a step in the right direction of your resolution. can be as simple as mentally giving yourself kudos whenever you eat healthy. It can be as simple as lighting a nice candle whenever you're about to sit down and do some work that feels like you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Whatever it is for you, this is so, so important. I think it's actually the most important step. There's no one else who's going to be out there cheerleading for you. It's you. You have to be your own biggest fan. You have to be your own biggest believer. There's no one else more qualified to love and believe in yourself than you. It's a great job. It's so fun. Take pleasure in it. Really enjoy patting yourself on the back because you deserve it. Every person deserves it. And think about how hard we are on ourselves. Of course, our resolutions never stick because we're so hard on ourselves. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. We make our resolutions like self-flagellation, but if we make them fun and celebratory, then those new neural pathways will connect in our brain and our habits will turn into lifestyle. The third thing is to set intrinsically motivated New Year's resolutions. So these are things that change how you feel about yourself. These are things that are on the inside. These are things that let you feel really good about yourself, even if no one else in the world is watching. Even if you lived in a world where it was just you and no other people in the world, then these resolutions would still feel super important to you. So that's how I like to think about it. Pretend that there's no one else on this planet. Pretend that there's no one who can pat you on the back, tell you that you're doing a good job, think that you're really cool, think that you're really smart. Imagine that it's just you. You're the only human left on this planet. What goals would you set for yourself that you would feel great about? That is what intrinsic motivation is. No one else ever saw or recognized the work that you did. Would you still feel good about yourself? And if the answer is yes, then that is the perfect intrinsically motivated goal. So make sure that your goal isn't, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds and look really hot, but rather it's, I want to just love my body and I want to feel really good in it every day. And I'm going to do whatever it takes until that happens. That's great. The last and final tip for creating resolutions that work is knowledge. Do your research, enjoy the process, learn as much as you can, make your habit your hobby. See if you can become an expert in the how and the why. Know the context of why what you're doing is important. Understand the broader picture outside of yourself of why you're doing the thing that you're doing. If you want to meditate every day, know why it's good for you. Understand how meditation affects the brain. Read some books on meditation. Give yourself some really amazing meditation experiences. Invest in the knowledge that you'll need to really make your habit a lifestyle. 
So that's all I have. Some recommendations for great books to read. Atomic Habits by James Clear is really good. Burnout by Emily Nagoski is great. I'd also recommend a book called The Power of Habit. And then finally, there's just a real classic, which is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I'm really excited for this new year for all of you guys. I hope you feel a sense of optimism and potential. And most importantly, I hope you feel a sense of pride for getting yourself through this year. It hasn't been easy for any of us, and it feels in a lot of ways that we've all just moved on to 2021 without appropriately giving ourselves the recognition and the celebration that we deserve for all the ups and downs that we experienced in 2020. So I really hope that even before you start these New Year's resolutions and these new habits, that you take the time to let it all sink in. And to celebrate just how much you have survived and just how much you have done in 2020. Because even if it doesn't seem a lot on the outside, you have gone through so much. And that's even harder. If you liked this episode, then feel free to rate it. I would love that if you rated it on iTunes. Also, please, please subscribe. Because as you know, I'm one of those people who records based on the energy of life. How I feel about it that week. Podcasts do not come out on the same day every week, so please subscribe so you know when the newest episode comes out. And please share it on Instagram. A lot of you guys have been doing that, and I love you and I appreciate you. It just means so much and it matters. It's because of you guys reaching out and letting me know what you want and what you don't want that this podcast continues to grow and be successful. For instance, next week we're doing an episode on fear, so what to do about fear. And that comes from a lovely listener on Instagram who suggested it. So thank you so much. The most important thing, the last thing I'll say is remember to listen to yourself, to always love yourself and to say yes to life so life can say yes to you. Thanks guys. See you next week.